You are listening to a brand new series to First Team Podcast called First Team Podcast Extra Time with your host, John Frusciante and former professional soccer player in the United States and for the Barbados national team, Kiesel Broom. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new series, the First Team Podcast, called uh, First Team Podcast Extra Time. I'm joined by former soccer player Kiesel Broom. How is it going, Kiesel, tonight? Oh, everything's going well. Uh, Mm -hmm. I appreciate you having me on and just, you know, enjoying some time off and excited to be here. Yeah, so for people that are listening that might not know about your professional soccer career, can you explain that? Because you were drafted by the San Jose Earthquakes of Major League Soccer. So, yeah, um, I was uh, came, I graduated from Providence College uh, December mm-hmm. of fourteen, and then um, I, I knew I wanted to play professionally. That was that was always my goal, just uh, from a young age. Mm-hmm. And um, very fortunate enough that I was able to get drafted uh, by the San Jose Earthquakes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was out in. Um, California probably for about four weeks or so but I had a bad shoulder injury that kind of kept me out from pursuing that and then moved back to Delaware where I'm originally from and went back to the whole rehab process strengthening and things like that and then I got a call from from the Cosmos and went on trial there and ultimately signing there and um, from there um, played mostly kind of reserve team minutes but it was great to be part of the organization and that led to um, first, um, call up, um, to the Barbados national team. Um, my dad's side of the family resonates from there. So I had citizenship and represented them, I think about 13 or 14 different occasions over the last couple of years. And there ended up in, um, Harrisburg, uh, for, uh, the USL, uh, for 2016. And then, uh, where I currently live now, I play for the Pittsburgh Riverhounds 2017. So, um, they're getting games at both places and still playing for Barbados. So, that uh, that was a career. Just like, you know, unfortunately, I had a couple of injuries that you know prohibited me from playing further. But uh, I had a great time while while I did play. Yeah, and I was checking your Wikipedia page before I came on here, and I think you did play in a World Cup qualifier, right? Is that correct? Yeah. So we yeah. um my uh my first two games were World Cup qualifiers for the 2018 World Cup. We were home home and away um for against Aruba. Uh, that was my first two games, home and away. And then, what else was there? I think we had some, we did some Nation League qualifiers re- last year, in 2018, um, for the World Cup qualifiers as well, kind of, and also for the Gold Cup. So, uh, a lot of different qualifiers, Caribbean Cup, Gold Cup, um, the Nations League, friendlies, everything in between. So, great experience is always playing with playing for Barbados. Yeah, so let's move on and talk about the possibility of an MLS Reserve League. Uh, there are some rumors. Some people are saying that it might be confirmed uh, towards the end of this week, maybe early next week. Who knows, really? Uh, it's probably a uh, work in progress, really. Um, but you did play in the USL. And uh, the USL does have reserve teams. They do have MLS2 teams. So just as a former professional soccer player, uh, what were your thoughts uh, when you did have to face those teams, right? Because they are quality sides. uh, They're big names, right? They have good stadiums and training facilities. But you're playing in a league and you want to be taken seriously, right? So how did you feel facing uh, reserve teams? Um. 
I looked at it from two different perspectives. One from their side, like the you know the USL reserve link, reserve team side, where it's a great bridge from the academy to the first team. Right, I thought it was a great opportunity, a great pathway, you know, for academy guys to get seen in a professional game environment, um, and also for guys that weren't getting minutes with the first team to get some professional minutes in USL. Um, now for like the outside world in terms of like professional players, I sometimes I feel as though it did a disservice because it had it was like I said, it's a professional team, right? But you can only have so many guys that were actually on contract. Like I'm like I'm a huge Philadelphia Union fan, um, and I had good ties there. Jim Curran was my academy coach growing up. Um and you know the previous Bethlehem Steel coach Brandon Berg was my Reading United coach, um, but they only had so many guys that were actually on contract on the USL team. So if you say like the USL has thirty teams, right, just to make it easy, and half of those teams are MLS two teams or whatever you call it, you only have maybe ten to twelve guys that are actually on contract on that team, and the rest are academy players or guys coming down from the first team. So, in terms of opportunity, right, it's actually limited more because there's less spots available. If that makes sense, where if you look like a Pittsburgh, where they have to f- fulfill a 22, 23 man roster, instead of a team like Bethlehem or you know Philadelphia Union two, where they only need to have now eight to nine guys you know, that are actually on contract. Everyone else is kind of filled from academy or first team. So that's the only thing that I think I didn't like. It just, I feel like it took opportunity away from a lot of players that wanted to get into a team or break, get into that first, you know, contract or whatever and just limited the opportunity. Yeah, and I remember uh, probably about a couple of years ago, there was this report, I forgot the media outlet, but they were saying that uh, some New York Red Bulls two players uh, I guess you are right that they w- were not on contracts, uh, but they were getting paid by the hour. So mm-hmm. if we're talking about proper professional soccer players, that's not that, right? So right. Um, that's really sad because the USL does, they have great PR, right? Oh, we're a professional soccer league. Uh, we're on ESPN+. Plus. But then when you hear the behind-the-scenes stories, I-, I talked to multiple players that said that they were on uh, less than $20,000 for the season, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not a good salary, but then some people would probably say, well, Hey, you're only playing what say, uh, four to five months. You have your housing taken care of, right? So in that market, uh, you don't really have to put your, uh, salary towards your housing. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. to that extent, I, I guess it, it's, it's not a bad deal, but if you're looking at trying to progress in your career, then I guess it's not a good deal, right? So yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I um, mm-hmm. 2018 uh, tore my Achilles uh, spring of 2018, yeah. and I actually earned a contract with the team. I'll, I'll keep it nameless because I still have a really good relationship with the club. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a, I had a contract offer from a team that's currently in USL League One, mm-hmm. and for me, the money was fine. Right, mm-hmm. the money wasn't the issue. The money was. I mean, the issue was the housing. Yeah. Uh, the housing yeah. wasn't going to be taken care of. And then I just moved to Pittsburgh from Delaware. So now I was paying rent in Pittsburgh. And then also I would have to find and pay rent for a place in um, the team that I, I was going to go originally signed for. Yeah. And it just didn't make sense. It was just like that for me, maybe it was like a life thing. But at the time it was like that aha, like it didn't make financial sense to do it. 
Um, and I can tell you, I, I got stories for days. Um, yeah, we will definitely you know, get to those. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But in terms of like the financial part of it and players not making money and things like that. But, um, you know, you know, you think twenty thousand dollars housing taken care of, things like that. But yeah. a lot of the a lot of the USL clubs also don't provide food. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, After yeah. training, so you know what I'm saying that's that goes in the equation as well. So I mean, mm-hmm. it's um the league. I think the USL Championship and even League One. I think they're great leagues. I think great opportunity for players to come in, prove mm-hmm. their worth, and then kind of try to move up from there. Um, but there's a lot of sacrifice that a lot of players go through just to try to get to that next level. Yeah, and when you were injured there, did the team that you were playing for did they pay you throughout that period, or did they take care of you uh, when it comes to healthcare? Or, well, what to be honest with you, when I tore my Achilles, I was actually on trial to play with the Cosmos again. Oh, okay, um, okay. Yeah, so I was in I was in Long Island, um, and everything from what my agent was telling me and talking with the coach. Um, that everything was, you know, pointing towards, you know, a contract being signed at, at the end of the weekend. Mm-hmm. And I unfortunately tore my Achilles um, the day before we had a scrimmage. Um, and, you know, obviously when you're on trial, you're, you know, you're kind of SOL if you um, if you injure yourself, you know. But um, I have to give credit to the Cosmos organization because uh, that's one thing that I, I think I'll never, ever, you know, I can't express enough gratitude. Like they took care of the surgery for me, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I think that comes from the previous relationship back in 2015. But yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the, the the whole organization is just class, top class from top to bottom. And I wish a lot of clubs that aren't MLS would do the same thing in terms of taking care of their players like that. Yeah, and I don't understand. I'm a Cosmo supporter, but I don't understand the hate that we get uh, each season from MLS fans, right, or just other. Uh, soccer fans really I mean you look at I mean you're looking at the New York Cosmos and for those that don't know the Cosmos is before MLS was a thing was yeah, American yeah. soccer you know what I'm saying <laughs> and it was American yeah soccer. I guess they do hate that part right so yeah and then that's, I mean you look at it, I mean you have to go back I mean the 1970s and maybe early 80s where you know Pele Beckenbauer all those guys were playing a giant stadium and it was sold out sold out crowds you know and like you know obviously fast forward 40 50 years but that was American soccer and to be fair, as a, as a Cosmos fan myself, like I said, I could still, could still consider myself a fan. Would I love to see them in the MLS? A hundred percent. But what I would hate is that when clubs make that jump to the MLS, they lose all identity in terms of their branding and logo and sponsorships and things like that. Um, and I think that's the only bad part about it, if I'm being honest with you. Yeah, yeah. That's the crazy part. And maybe we will talk about that eventually, right? Uh, the yeah. business side of it. Uh, but before we do continue our conversation on the MLS Reserve League possibility, I do want to make it clear that if people have questions for Kiesel, uh, they can send them in to us via email, firstteampod at gmail.com. We will be back uh, the same time next week, hopefully, uh, and we will continue conversations with Kiesel Broom, uh, former soccer player, which is great to have you on here on First Team Podcast. Uh, so let's continue with our MLS Reserve League uh, chat. Uh, do you think the possibility of our MLS Reserve League, uh, do you think it will improve? Because that's the plan, right? It's to improve the talent uh, in U.S. soccer. But do you think it will actually do that? Um, I don't because they tried it before and then they, everything yeah, went yeah. to USL. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they yeah. 2012, mm-hmm. 2011, 
Um, they had the reserve league, and mm-hmm. you know, I, I mean, yeah, we're eight years later, and you know, there's academies popping up. Like the Union Academy is, you know, probably one of the best academy systems throughout the country. Um, but it didn't work in my mind. 2012. That's why they got went away from it. And now you're seeing all these feeder teams pop up. Like Harrisburg City Islanders were a feeder team. The Richmond Kickers were for DC United. Um, you know, you had all the Colorado Switchbacks for the Rapids and things like that. You know what I'm saying? So these feeder teams started popping up everywhere where players that were getting those first team minutes were loaned out for the season to get game minutes. But then it became more of a money issue because now the, the USL Cup is like, well, if we're getting these players – loaned out to us for X amount of time, why would we pay somebody else to sit on the bench or sit in the stands or whatever? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. that's where that's where the only thing that I feel like in terms of soccer in the US the issue is is, is the financial side of it. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, there are some players that are just coming out of college, you know, they didn't they got bypassed by MLS, but they found a home in USL or USL League One or NISA or whatever the case is. And they have to do outside things just to make ends meet, you know, and that's I think that's one thing that a lot of people wish they didn't have to do is they could just solely focus on being an athlete and not have to worry about coaching on the side or yeah, getting like yeah. a small part time job. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I know a lot mm-hmm. of guys that I've worked with or played with in the past had to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I think as fans, we think, oh, professional players, they only care for the team and for the game at the weekend. Right. But it's much more than that. Uh they're that's hoping right. to provide for their family, right? So yeah. uh, that's the goal for them. And, yeah, and I think as fans, not- we want them to just solely worry about the Cosmos or for Nisa or for the USL. But I guess that's not the case. No, I mean, like I said, when I – if you want, I could tell you a great story when I was yeah, in Harrisburg. Yeah, yeah so um, I, after leaving the Cosmos, I uh, went on trial in Harrisburg, ultimately got signed. But – because I had a previous commitment to playing for Barbados, I was the last person signed um, to Harrisburg. And the only number that they could give up, gave me, um, was, and I'll be honest, the, they, they, the contract that they offered me was $500 a month, right? Wow. And this is, season's already started for Harrisburg, um, mm-hmm. for everyone. Like, MLS is probably like three weeks in. Mm-hmm. NASL is like two weeks in. USL just got through the first weekend. And at that point, it was like, well, do I take it and have the potential of playing or do I not take it and maybe not because I didn't play with the Cosmos. Do I not, you know, do I take another chance yeah, of not yeah. playing this year? So, you know, intuition wise, told me to take it. I took it, but financially was probably the worst year of my life by far. It taught me a lot um, in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, saving, stretching a dollar and things like that. But I had to do, coaching like three or four times a week just to make yeah. sure I had enough cash in my account that automatic payment for my bills will come out. Or um, yeah. I forget who gave me the idea, but I, I kid you not, I used to Uber. I used to Uber like the night before games downtown Harrisburg, like till like two, three o'clock in the morning and then play a game the next day wow. just to just to make ends meet, you know. And then the fall came around and I got a coaching job at Penn State Harrisburg, which was a saving grace for me. But even then I was – I would literally, if my day would start, you know, say I woke up at 8.30, I had to be at the field for 9.30, practice at 10. I practiced 10 to like 11.30, 11.45, whatever. And then I would be go straight to Penn State Harrisburg, and I was a goalkeeper coach for both the men and the women. So, like, 
you know, men started at like two thirty, women started right afterwards, and then I'd be there doing the coaching thing until seven, eight o'clock at night. You know, on top of maybe depending if it's on the weekend or not, Ubering there just to do it all over again the next day. So like, you know, the amount of outside activity that I had to do just to just to you know make ends meet was tough. And I'll be honest, it showed in my performance because there were games where by like the 60th minute I was just gassed. Like absolutely gas, and I, I kid you not. I know it was, there was one game against the Bethlehem Steel. I gave up a bad goal just because I was exhausted. You know, the ball just took a ba- took a, a bounce that I should have easily saved, but took a bad bounce on me and wasn't prepared and went in, and I was just like just doing too much. You know, that was like another yeah. kind of aha moment more than anything. So that really is shocking, and that's the reality of mm-hmm. uh, U.S. soccer at the moment, which is really sad. Really, really, really sad. I would say it again. As fans, we think that some players are getting their worth, right? They're getting the money that they do deserve at times, uh, but most of the guys are not. I was told that uh, some players in NISA are making, I think, $500 a month, like what you were doing at Harrisburg. Um, mm-hmm. Did they provide housing for you at the City Islanders? or? Yeah, they provided housing. Um, Can you, it, yeah. mm-hmm. it wasn't... Uh, the best place in the world if i'm being honest with you i think i cried the day i rolled up to the <laughs> to the house um it's just it just it just was an eye-opener you know um the guys yeah. that i live with were awesome i mean they're still friends i'm still friends with them to this day but if we look back we lived in an absolute not a great place like it could have i mean to be fair if, if somebody wanted to we could have went back and called like called the housing authority whatever because of all the problems that were going on in the house you know so it it was um it wasn't the best situation but we made the best of it and we cleaned it up and made it look nice and stuff like that and made it give like a a homey feel to it but it was not great yeah yeah so lastly here on the mls reserve league uh what are your final thoughts do you think it's going to happen do you think it's going to be a success do you think it will help the u.s men's national team do I think it'll help the U.S. men's national team? I don't think yeah. so. I, I, I actually did this. I actually looked back. It was probably a couple of years ago. Yeah, so the yeah. team, remember that U.S. Na- men's national team in 09 at the Confederations Cup that went to the final, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. I looked at that roster. I mean, you can look back on it. If you look at how many players actually played in Europe compared to played in the MLS, you'd be surprised. Yeah. Because I want to say the majority of that starting 11 minus, I think, Landon Donovan um, and maybe one or two other people all played in Europe, right? Now, if you look at the U.S. men, not like the current current team, like with Weston McKinney and Christian Pulisic and those guys. If you look back to like maybe the last Gold Cup or something like that, the majority of the team is based here in the states. And like I said, Michael Bradley came back, and Josie Alcador came back, and Tim Howard came back, and. All these guys came back to the stage, which is great for the American game, like for MLS and growing in and things like that. But I think ultimately, in terms of the quality of the national team, that's where it hurts. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and and to be fair, I feel like none of this really would have came about if the U.S. qualified for 2018. Okay, but I think mm-hmm. not. I, I, that's my honest opinion. I feel like if the U.S. would have qualified for the 2018 World Cup, mm-hmm. we wouldn't be having this this conversation. But because they didn't qualify for the, that that tournament mm-hmm. everything's in question of what didn't we do what's going on what why didn't you know what i'm saying and yeah, that's yeah. the only reason why i feel like we're at where we're at right now is because it's all stemming from you know not qualifying but i don't think i mean the i think um the mls reserve league 
I mean, I think, listen, as a professional athlete, there has to be competition, right? It can't yeah, be just yeah. you're doing friendlies every weekend and nothing matters, and you're just hoping to have a good game to, to impress. There has to be a carrot or something at the end of it where people are going to fight for it. So there's a reserve league champion mm-hmm. or there's some type of financial incentive for winning the reserve league or whatever, but it can't just be, okay, the first team plays the New England Revolution on a Saturday, the reserves play that Sunday, and it's just a friendly. You know what I'm saying? It ha- there has to be points on the line. There has to be something that the players are going to work toward too, or it's just, it's just there's not going to be no competition. The quality is not going to be good, and you're just going to fill it with academy players again, like these in the USL. Yep. So thanks, Kiesel, for joining me on this week's episode of First Team Podcast Extra Time. We will be back next week again talking about another topic and sharing more stories from Kiesel. And Kiesel, before we do go, can you please share your podcast and uh, where people can follow you? Yeah, yeah. So um, starting my podcast, so this is, I think, back in August. Yeah, um, yeah. But something I kind of wanted to do for myself and kind of get my own personal experiences and perspectives yeah. and thoughts out there. So uh, my podcast is Keeping It Real with Kiesel, but with is W dash or whatever that, you know, hyphen is or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Keeping It Real with Kiesel. Um, you can find it on Spotify. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Anchor, Breaker, um, all the major uh, platforms in terms of podcasts. You'll be able to find it. 